It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our host, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, why? Why are you wearing a bee suit? I thought you were not getting bees. Uh, I got bees and I, I, I was literally just outside before we started um, trying to finagle uh, mm-hmm. a way to keep carpenter ants out because carpenter ants are a thing here uh, that I did not ever have to deal with in Central Texas and they are a pain in the ass. <laughs> they eat your hardware? No, they go inside the hive and they eat all the resources. Oh, no. Yes. So whereas like in Central Texas, we had to deal with a lot of the wood ants, quote unquote, much smaller. They would get up underneath your inner covers or underneath the lids. And but they were not bad. They didn't, they didn't destroy anything inside the colony. They were using the heat of the colony, but they would eat the wood and they would cause issues with that. If they were like underneath the hive, they would dig burrows and stuff in there. So that's one thing. Here we have a forest. And we have carpenter bees in the forest and they love to burrow into the pine trees and live in and around those, but they love to get inside the hives and they will steal the resources. And in an old piece of comb that I was using in a swarm trap, they crawled up in there and they put all their eggs in the cells as little <laughs> storage baskets. Oh, so no. Pretty yeah. crafty, though. So they're a pain in the butt. Um, and I, I was looking up stuff online there's tangle foot and things like that that you can put around trees and surfaces to keep them out but it was going to be about two weeks for me to get any in and there was none here in town so as a temporary measure as a stopgap measure i went and got fly fly trap the fly tape um like like that you would peel out and it's like spiraled i took that and then i wrapped it very tightly around each of the legs of the hive so that they can't climb up and get into it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see. Um, so what I did, I, I have two colonies. One of them went into an eight-frame Langstroth, mm-hmm. and it has one of the defiant ant stands oh. that actually has the metal dishes at the bottom and then the little covers over the top so rain can't wash it out. Mm-hmm. And those are filled with oil at the moment. So that one's good. I learned that that was the lesson I learned when I first got down here and they started robbing that colony before it ended up that's what started it on its downhill slope before it died over winter. Oh, so no. I've reused that box location and all that, but put in the new frames and got everything for them to draw out new, new wax and stuff. The other one, I did a like modified, modified, modified version <laughs> of, of it's a hybrid between the top bars that I usually build your top bar plans and then a very makeshift version of the end coming down to set the plastic nuke box on so that they can expand into the top bar. But I, I was having to use what I had available. So that's why it's modified, modified, modified. <laughs> <laughs> I was being resourceful. Okay. Um, but so I have it set up and it is, a, I, it might be a three foot, but I think it's a four foot top bar, but it, it might be three foot. Um, and then I've got the end with the easy nuke box, the, the corrugated plastic nuke box. Right. 
set that up on there. And then I used some tape to kind of pull it tight against there so that there was no separation from it. One lesson that I learned though, after the fact, oopsie, um, I should have turned it the other direction so that the lid opened towards the top. <laughs> it's one of the things we closed. tell people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I did it, I like, I had already made the cut and everything and had oh, the yeah. hole open. And then I went to close the lid and I was like, ah, oh, crap. I should have turned yeah, it the yeah. other direction, but that's okay. I just literally undid the lid where it's folded right. and then made it flat across the bars ah, and sealed it go. so that, yeah. yeah, so that it works. And then I got a rock sitting on top of that to hold it down. So, <laughs> so it's not open. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were very resourceful. You uh, yeah. Yeah. Gotta be, gotta be able to adapt. <laughs> so I got that out there, got that all set up. And then the, the thing that made me think about the ants again was I already put the oil down there. So I was thinking about it. It was good. Temporarily, when I first brought the nuke home, I built another makeshift little table with legs on this side, this short and legs on this side, this long, because uh -huh. everything is a hill. Uh -huh. So that way it sets level on the hill. <laughs> it won't set level yet. Yeah. have like short legs. Huh? It's all right. The goats that, that grow lopsided. Um, <laughs> it won't set level anywhere else, but on the hill. Right. But I made this tiny little makeshift table out of scraps and I ratchet strapped the nuke to that. Yeah, that's what I do. Usually. And I put it right where the top bar was going to go. So then I could just set the top bar down behind it and then move that up to position and all the foragers wow. could go right in. So I was kind of planning in advance, but I actually greased the legs of that little table. And when I went down there to transfer them over into the hive, there were actual carpenter ants crawling around on that stupid nuke box. They had made it up through the grease somehow. So that's why I was like, all right, desperate measures, got to switch over and do something else. So I switched to sticky instead of greasy. I want pictures. You want pictures? <laughs> I want pictures of all this makeshift stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> it. It'll be worth it. I'll send you some. I have some to post how, online too. Tell me how the fly uh, fly strips go on your bee suit. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, now that I've got them on there, I think that it's going to work okay. I hope that it's going to do what we want. Now, the problem, the biggest pain in the rear was putting them on there because they're in a tube and you yeah. peel the little thing up and you pull it and it's, it's spiraling a, oh, as you pull it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I learned that you have to kind of go the opposite direction so that it doesn't want to unroll and you pull until you can get the bottom and tear it because uh -huh. the bottom one doesn't actually have any sticky. It starts a little bit after. So okay. you pull it up out of the tube and you tear it. You don't want it to elongate because that was the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. So you keep it short. And, and tear around. that bottom and then you roll it around. Now I had on yeah. nitrile gloves. Yeah. Yep. So you, you start at the top and then as you make that first wrap and you come back around, you overlap the first yeah. part. So that holds it in place. Then you go all the way down and then you use the pushy pin tack to tack in the bottom yeah. one. So then it can't uncurl and the top right. one's held because it's double stick and then stuck to right. itself. And then you overlap. Yeah. Yes. So nitrile gloves, double sets. Because after you touched the first one, I was okay. But then I put my hand down to shift up and I picked my hand up and the forest was stuck to my hand. So that glove had to come off. And then I, I still have one glove here and two here. And so I do the next leg and then this glove had to come off as I move to the next spot. Um, but eventually four gloves later and, gloves and later. I have four legs done. 
I want to see that. You should have filmed it. That must have been something to watch. I didn't film that part because I already like I made the mistake of touching my phone once and then my phone stuck to the glove. And I was like, so it took a good 10 minutes when I got back inside to make the phone not sticky anymore. I was very upset about that. That's awful. Yeah, that stuff's really awful. You can't get rid of it. Yeah. So, but that's kind of the point. I'm really hoping that it's awful on the ant legs, <laughs> not yeah, let them get into the hive. I want to know how many creepy crawlies are stuck to it at the end of the season. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. Um, I am going to go ahead and probably order the Tanglefoot and I'll either do it below it or above it. Um, but I needed something there because I didn't right, want to right, leave right. it, you know, two weeks later. And then I'm like going down there and everything's gone to hell. So I wanted to make sure I had that in place. So that's, that's a good so, idea. Yeah. I like that. That was very creative. It is, but it was it was a messy job. <laughs> I bet it was. And I'm glad you're trying the horizontal conversion of the Langstroth. Yeah, yeah. So when I when I went to get them, I, I strategically put one into the pre-molded plastic nuke box. Uh-huh. That was going to go down into the Langstroth. The other one I purposely took, one of the old corrugated plastic easy boxes, because I wanted purposely to be able to cut it. So, so is that how they sell their nukes? They have you come and harvest their splits or something? How did that oh, work? I, I got to pick it. I got to pick it all out. Wow. So I, I we went through. Um, there was so he he does four. No, sorry, he does five frame nukes only, and that's all his entire apiary. And he's got well over a hundred colonies, but. They're literally the five frame box with another five frame box on top. And if he has to go up, he does another. So there's never more than five frames in the box. Mm -hmm. And each of the ones that we went through were double box. So there was 10 frames to choose from. And I got to go through and pick out literally which frames I wanted to go into my nuke. And we found the frame with the queen. That was the first one in there. And then we go through the rest. So I I picked, I picked the frames, the resources. So I can't complain about what was in that box because I built it. Um, and then we did two shakes, uh, two additional shakes of bees good. into the nuke as well, closed it up, hauled it off. That sounds like a good uh, practice to know what you're getting. It was actually, it was great. Um, it was, it was really good. And he actually, he's a, he's a good old guy. So I I've contemplated, I don't know. I didn't broach the subject with him. He still doesn't have any idea who I am. <laughs> so, but I didn't broach the subject, but I did, I did contemplate having him come on as a guest for the the fourth season somewhere yeah, in there the local you yeah. know area things well, yeah yes but the downside to that he could be he could be a guest that would be similar i'm not going to say on par similar to kin but way more actually into the work of it so he actually has the experience and the work and and everything else to yes. to back it up um, but still a little bit of that country aspect in there too. That that's kind of like the that would be fun. It's a, it's a good thing. The downside though, where I was like, oh, was I started asking questions about the Ozarks and the region and, and uh-huh. things like that. And I never got an answer. No, so no clear answers. So I got that no clear answers. Fit for the no. local I'm advice. Like, <laughs> how like how am I gonna learn and know if you can? And I said specifically. Do you know what 
or when the main flows are here and what the the primary nectar sources are for those flows. And he was like, yeah, yeah. In fact, we're in one right now. And like, it's actually, usually it starts to slow down by June, but it's still going. It's been nice and cool and wet. And like, we got lots of stuff and I'm like, awesome. So what are those flowers? And he changed the subject. And when does it start usually? When does it end usually? Exactly. I kept bringing it back. Yeah. And I, I got all kinds of answers that weren't answers. <laughs> so he was, let me, let me get this straight. He was slippery as a fish. <laughs> he was slippery <laughs> as a fish. Nice, nice way to tie that in there. <laughs> That's funny. So, so the title today's episode is something fishy and we're, we're going to hit on this multiple times as we go through um, something else fishy. This here is a jar of honey. Let me yeah. see if I can get the front of it without the light hitting it pure honey okay there we go at an angle 100 pure honey distributed by and there's a big scotch tape tape in the middle then you have 46 ounces two and seven eighths of a pound okay so that's all that's on the label the part that is covered up by the duct tape um and for everybody who can't see this it's basically it's a large mason jar um as natalie said it has a white and black label on it that says 100 pure honey distributed by, then there's a a piece of tape on there that is covering up what immediately follows that, which is the name of the apiary. In this instance, it's the family name, their address and their phone number. That's what's underneath the tape. And I I covered that up to be nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then down underneath it, 46 ounces dash two, seven slash eight pounds. So this honey, and I am going to say this one, this honey might as well be, if not actually is Walker honey. Oh, really? Yes. So now the things that I wanted to touch on on this is because nowhere on here does it say local other than the fact that the address for the family is like two towns over. And I have seen this now in three separate, very small mom and pop type stores. Um, feed stores specifically, there's a very large family around here with a specific name that have feed stores everywhere. And also like hardware slash feed kind of mixture type stores as well. So, um, and I've seen that in those stores. So I went ahead and bought one because after seeing it for several months, I got curious. They didn't have anything smaller. So I got the big one. It was uh, 18, 1899 for Mm -hmm. 46 ounces. Um, almost three pounds for just shy 20 bucks. That's pretty good. Um, But as soon as I opened it and smelled it, I was like, ah, and then I tasted it and it is blended honey. That's what happens. So it has a absolute uniform flavor and consistency. And the reason I said this is the same as, or might as well be Walker honey is because Walker is a distributor who brings in honey from all over the place, blends it and then sells it in mass wholesale Mm -hmm. But the purpose of the blending is so that it's uniform color, uniform flavor, so that when it is sold in a grocery store on the shelf, it's always consistent. Yes, it's always the same. Any of us listening to this, talking, you and I right now, we all know as beekeepers, every single harvest is different. All of your honey tastes different and none of your honey tastes like anything that comes off the store shelf. No, and I don't like those store shelf, um, you know, honey. So as soon as you get a hold of that, you immediately know this is blended honey because it tastes like every other honey and every this packet is, or everything off the shelf. This is packer wholesale honey that's been repackaged in smaller jars and they mark it up as retail. Right. 
Now, the other thing that this does not say is the type of honey. It just says 100% pure honey. It doesn't say wildflower. It doesn't have a variety or varietal stamp on it. Um, it doesn't say raw right. and it doesn't say local. But what it does say is distributed by. Right. It does not say packaged by. It does not say produced by. It says distributed by. And I see that and I don't buy it. I mean, I know you're trying, you wanted to oh, try I'm, it. I did it on, yeah, I did it on purpose. Yeah. But but I see that personally. I stay away. I won't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Right. Mm -hmm. That was the that was the whole point though, is because those words that you use, those are very specific. They were not chosen at random. Mm -hmm. This is distributed by. I didn't say that I grew it. I didn't say no. that I made it. I didn't say it came from my yeah, bees. At least they're not deceiving anybody. Right. And oh, because right. I saw that and I saw how simplistic this label was, I was like, I have a sneaking suspicion. So I, I had to try it. So I bought it. So now I've got this giant jar of honey. I'm going to eat. <laughs> I probably won't eat. No, maybe we'll use it for baking or something where it, it's not going to yeah. matter, you know. Um, but anyhow, so I wanted to bring that up as something fishy because wow. I wanted people to stop and think about the words that are on labels and key identifying things that can clue you into stuff. I'll do you one better. I uh -oh. was at the corner of uh, two street, two roads, and I'm not going to cite them because I don't want that person to be put on the spot. Um, I Okay. Uh, from where I used to live to travel out towards where the bus driven. is, you would go through there, right? Yeah, towards, yeah, okay. exactly. I gotcha. And I, I stopped by to buy peaches. They were selling peaches the oh. next day over. Were they, were they Fredericksburg peaches? I didn't even ask. I wanted because that's going to be the same like, story. <laughs> peaches are peaches at some point, right? That's the that's the difference with honey, right? Uh -huh. You know what you're getting. Those are peaches. Yeah. Um, but the the gentleman, I asked him, "Are you the beekeeper?" And he's like, "No, no, my friend does removals, and he's the he's the beekeeper." Oh no! And I'm like, "Oh really? So this is removal honey?" And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives me buckets and I strain it and, and it sell like, sells like hotcakes. So people are buying removal honey unbeknownst to them. And it's which illegal. Is, that's what I was going to say, which is technically illegal in Texas to do that. It's illegal because you can have all kinds of people can have tried to exterminate those bees. That honey can be contaminated with poisons. It can be contaminated with asbestos or insulation material yeah. or dead animals or yep. dead rats. Yeah, urine. Yep. Uh, so I'm like, oh my gosh, you're selling removal honey. I didn't tell him that, but I was like, <gasps> did you did you happen to pry to see if you could find out who his friend was that did the removals? Not yet, but I got his business card. Oh, well, there you go. See, I, I I'm a little suspicious of that, um, but who knows? I mean. <laughs> you can't I don't I, I mean, it takes all know. kinds <laughs> but that's what a lot of people don't know is that when you buy honey if you don't know the beekeeper you have zero idea what's in there and even if you know in some instances the beekeepers uh, you don't know what they're doing we talked about that before right there's plenty of examples in austin of this that's little right. jar right here where you know the beekeeper, you can go to their apiary, you can see you their bees their and their hives, yes. but the crap you buy in that store is not their honey not and theirs. didn't even probably come from that state. Mm -hmm. Came from multiple states or even multiple countries possibly. So it's tough. Yes, it's very fishy. <laughs> yes, more fishy business. What other fishy business you got for us today? 
Well, the biggest fishy business in the most recent fishy news straight out of the pond is that bees are now fish in the state of California. I am sure everybody has probably seen this come across your newsfeed. And if you haven't, and you're playing this out loud, your phone has just heard it. So it's probably going to show up in your newsfeed. Yes. <laughs> so I found this very interesting because when I first saw it, it was because Jacob sent me a link and I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That is yeah. ridiculous. I and then I was going to say, I thought you see it because I posted a link about that on Be Mindful. Facebook I did. And, no, and I, I, I did not. <laughs> I did not. I got a message and I was like, oh, Jacob's messaging. And I looked and it was a link. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, and then my mom sent me one. And then after that, yeah, you know, it's, it's posted all over the place. So I went through and did some reading on it. And I found one article that I absolutely loved because there was a little bit of satire in there. But in a nutshell, and we can bounce back and forth be between this aspect of it. Um, so in a nutshell, back in 2018, they attempted to put bees on the endangered species list, specifically for species of bumblebee. Just so we're clear, we're not talking about honeybees. In California. In California. This is all about the state of California. This is not the rest of the United States or Australia or anywhere else. California specifically wanted to put four species of bumblebees onto the endangered species list. And they had a lawsuit slapped against them almost instantaneously from a bunch of corporate conglomerates. And I bet everybody out there will never guess <laughs> where they came from. Agricultural groups and especially the Almond Alliance of California. Oh, there we go. I was going to say, let's see, California. Hmm. Mm. Number one on that Sorry. list is almonds. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, let's see, where is that at? So it's the Almond Alliance of California. Um, it was also the Cotton Ginners, mm -hmm. Citrus Growers. And I think there was a uh, third or fourth one in there as well. But Almonds, Citrus and Cotton, three major mm -hmm. crop producers in California said, hell no, mm -hmm. you cannot put insects on the endangered species list. And they had a point because the way that California law is written, invertebrates are not included. It is fish, mammals, birds, and I think there's one Mollusks, other thing on there. crustaceans. No, oh, that's, okay, no, that, mammals, that's what goes fish, under, yeah. Amphibian, reptiles, and plants. Yes, and plants. That was the plants. So it's really interesting how they went through and they did that. And they can have the plants on there, but you can't have insects on there which make the world go round with your plants and make them bloom and all that other stuff. And of course we can always kind of assume why, because if they're an endangered species and you have to protect them and you can't use certain chemicals in certain processes, it's mm -hmm. going to cause problems for your operation. So they put a stop to it. Well, another attempt was made in 2020 and it was turned down. It was stopped as well. And now in 2022, Judges actually passed it and they did it by finding a loophole back in like, what was it? 1985. There was a ruling that allowed a type of snail, a land dwelling snail to be included on the endangered species act because it was an invertebrate. The Trinity bristle snail. That's right. A terrestrial. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an ocean dwelling creature. It is a land dwelling creature. But when they did this, they were able to expand on the term fish, quote unquote, 
because fish is the definition that you were reading a minute ago. If you can read that again. The what the I'm sorry, I was I was going <laughs> you were you were reading head. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody. Um so you originally you started to read the definition of fish where it has the mollusk and, and invertebrate. So the oh, definition yeah, yeah, of fish yeah. is quote unquote. A wild fish, a mollusk, a crustacean, an invertebrate, amphibian, or part spawn or ovum of any of those animals. Right. So what they did, because it has invertebrate in there, and it is a, it's an artistic rendering of this creature, and it had multiple parts broken off, they were able to take it and say, but this is also an invertebrate, and it also has some similarities to a mollusk and some of these other things. Therefore, this snail is now a fish. And there was precedence take, in the law. Right. So you take that precedence and you leap forward now to bees. Mm -hmm. And because they got shot down twice in the past, they were able to turn around, circumvent this whole thing with the loophole that the bee is also an invertebrate, also meets some of these same characteristics. Therefore, a bee is a fish. Mm -hmm. And a fish is protected under the Endangered Species Act in California. So now those four species of bumblebees are officially an endangered species. <laughs> That's right. But does it also include any types of bees then? It, right. It has opened the doorway so that now if other species come up, we already have bees on there. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to add additional types of bees to that list as well. Right. So... so a win for the bumblebees for sure. That's right. That's right. There you go. It is awesome. And I thought it was damn clever of the that, judges to do that. I found it hysterical and it all comes down to technicalities, but th there's two ways to look at the, the law. There's textualists that are basically very pragmatic about their interpretation of the law. They are gonna say, well, because everything else is talking about fish and, and, and reptiles and all this stuff, we gotta assume that that's what we're talking about and not you know terrestrial invertebrates. But then you have the, what is called purposivists, uh, which is basically they're saying the purpose of the law was to say that native species were included and then they should be interpreted as it was meant to in, uh, protect endangered, any endangered species, which those for bumblebees are. So it was going and, and looking at the purpose of the law. Yeah, I was trying to see, unfortunately, this article does not have the ending, quote unquote, that the that the other article that I originally had seen was, I wish I would have kept a hold of that. Mm -hmm. I thought about it when I saw it on my newsfeed. I was like, I need to grab it right now. And I didn't mm -hmm. end up doing it. But the way they summarized their last bit was just spot on and perfect for the whole scenario. But again, kudos and a round of applause to California for being creative, being, being clever, using these past precedents, because you can say, well, that's not a, a aquatic dwelling, sea dwelling creature but neither were some of the amphibians that were on there, some of the snails, some of the other stuff. So they'd already made multiple precedents that allowed this to happen. And it's awesome that they found a way to do it because otherwise it's big agrochemical against the little man. Right. And or the little you know, bee in this case. Not everybody's agreeing with that ruling because it, of course not. It, it ties into your beliefs and your politics and everything, right? So it's yeah. like everything else. You can find fault to everything, but... but I will counter, we already know how intelligent honeybees are and we know how intelligent bumblebees are. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about uh, the communication between things like fungi through the mycelium network. 
And plants have ways of communicating and doing this. So by God, if you can put plants on the endangered species list, you can have the insects that have to support those plants and help them propagate and live and reproduce on that list. So I agree with that part, absolutely. And if anything, I think that more species of native bees, especially, should be on that list. They really should. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. So the first time this happened uh, was Hawaii. Hawaii was able to put a couple of species of native bee that is only found in Hawaii mm-hmm. on their actual endangered species list as well. But they didn't have some of the hurdles that California does because California is a major agricultural state when it comes right. to these things that very specifically rely on bees. Yeah. So, yeah. But right. I mean, I think, I, I, I think that it's great. I mean, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna eat away at some of the profits, but Hey, there's a lot of million and billionaires out there that have gotten filthy rich off of some of the, you know, cutting some of those corners and the stuff that they right. do. So you giving know, a little but, bit of it back. <laughs> well, and if we want to be able to preserve the future of our planets for everybody, we probably want to, pay back some of that, you know, uh, ridiculous amount of money that people are making <laughs> on, on our resources. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, by the uh, way, did you know I got stung on the face today? First time ever. You don't look bad for that. No, I can see the tiny little dot. That's it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. It just yeah, added a rosy cheek glow to your yeah, appearance. I put today. a little bit of, you know, rose on my cheeks too. So ah, I'm okay. cheating. But You're no, cheating. I didn't swell. It burns, but it, I didn't swell. So I was pretty happy well, about that. I've been stung, obviously, in the chin, which mm-hmm. today I was really sure I was going to get stung in the chin because every position I was in, the veil was flat against my That's chin. And I was like yeah. pulling my head back, <laughs> trying to keep it away. And it finally dawned on me hey, dummy, why don't you bend the front of it? Cause there right. is like a solid piece in there oh, and I right. bowed it. So then it would push it away from me and then I was good. But, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I get stung. I've been stung in the lip. I've been stung, uh, in the ear, in the Ooh. eyebrow and none of those, none of those swole oh, good. And, and showed like any sign. And I was certain the lip was going to be like all nasty. I know. Looking. I would think the lip would. Yeah, it explode. didn't. Yeah. But the one that got me between the eye and the temple made my entire side of my head swell up. Look like I got hit with a back. That was many years ago, but it was like, it was good. That was before I had went full time on the beekeeping and I was still working. Maybe not as immune to the venom. Well, I also called in sick that day. I was like, I am not going into work looking (laughs) like Quasimodo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's some really good pictures sometimes of people this way. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I am not going out in public. I will stay home for a couple of days, can take some Benadryl, gonna sleep right. this off. Like, yeah. Which this is all we talked about last week, right? The whole reactions. Did we? So if right, the localized oh, the reactions. We talked yes, about the, the epipens, yeah. Stuff. So if you guys want to review that, that's kind of linked to that process. Yeah. See it, it's all connected. Oh. It's all connected. All connected. <laughs> So let's see other updates uh, outside of the fishy news. I got my stitches out. Um, I still have a a bandage back there because I wanted to make sure that the incision, the actual stitch holes had a chance to heal up. Um, But the stitches are out. The test results came back and it was a benign tumor. So no future treatment is needed. Yay on that one. You're done. I'm done. Uh, Man. Um, Let's see what else. Talked about the bees. We've got bees out there. 
Um, I think on my end, that's kind of it. Is there anything crazy going on on your side? No, we're, I'm just getting ready to do the chat with the mindful beekeepers with Lass in a little bit. So nothing, you know, with just like weekly stuff, right? So yeah, just, just normal. Finishing installs and finishing, you know, customer uh, stuff and then cruising for the rest of the year. Woo! <laughs> I like that aspect. So right now, Central Texas, we are the very beginning of June. You guys should be at the peak of your nectar flow Everything yep. looking good with all that? Everything's looking fantastic. It started a little earlier than usual in a lot of areas. And um, Les is telling me it's, he thinks that it's starting to trickle down. I'm still seeing quite a bit, but I think it's uh, at the peak and in, in starting to probably it's going to slow down. Um, we've had a, a nice rain, but there hasn't been you know, this week. But otherwise, there hasn't been enough raining. So I'm mm. thinking it's a hundred and five today <laughs> it's uh, and the whole year. week is going to be above 100 so yeah laugh laugh because that's what's going to come to that's what's going to bring our nectar flow to crash right yeah well so last week our highs were in the upper 60s and it rained like every other day um wow. we've had almost a month of it raining at least three or four times a week but it, oh, i mean wow. we're we're in a different climate entirely but the bees are bringing in tons of pollen they're bringing in tons of nectar too because i gave the bees one frame of drawn comb so that they could continue to expand into it when i put them into the langstroth box and when i went back down to double check oh yeah so i kind of dropped one. <laughs> oh no were they mad <laughs> all right so yes they were mad they were pissed <laughs> off bees and frames all over the place like <laughs> It was a mess. Uh, oh, you and it dropped wasn't, a whole nuke box? I dropped a whole nuke. <laughs> Look, walking through the forest in a big fluffy bee suit. Not, <laughs> it's not easy, all right, damn it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I dropped I dropped the, the solid molded um, nuke box that has the snap-on lid, so the lid flew off. Oh. It flipped upside down. The frames kind of slid out on top of each other. Bees were poured all over the ground. Oh, they wow. were pissed. That was a bad one. Yeah. Thank God I had my bee suit on. So I stood it up and put the frames back in. And waited a little bit. Yeah, the drone, there was some drone comb that was irreparably damaged. It was flattened. Yeah, um, yeah oops on that one. And then pile of bees on the ground. So I set the box up and opened it so that the pile of bees could march in. And I went ahead and went on down and finished prepping the box and doing other stuff and yeah, gave them about them an hour. Down. Yes. yes, they still weren't calmed down. The stragglers that were still there the next day were still hey, pissed about it. He's back. He's back. It's that that guy. guy didn't matter that I wasn't wearing the suit that I've showered and, and it was a whole day later. It's that guy. Um, so, yeah, so that happened. And uh, I had to go back down and check them today to make sure that the queen was actually there because I didn't yeah. see any sign of her anywhere on the ground crushed. or squished. Yeah, yeah. she could have got crushed. So, um, and the other one was, we had, I had packed it so uber full and then it had to wait a few days for me to finish building the actual um, length or the top bar, sorry, to mm -hmm. build the top bar and get it all ready to do this conversion. They started making swarm cells and they were just barely starting. So I cut all of them out oh, yeah, and I took them. one put it in my pocket and yeah. took it down there just in case mm -hmm. went through all the rest of the frames found the queen she's present she's doing great but the point of this story before i realized my oopsie in there 
I had given them a frame of empty drawn comb so that they could utilize it to lay eggs. They've already filled it with nectar and I didn't feed them the whole frame. That's crazy. What, two days? Yeah. And I don't know what the hell they, I don't know what it's coming from. I mean, there's, well, right, right. Yeah. It's raining every two, three days. So, um, but I don't know, I don't know what they got. And that, that takes me back to our very first story. Um, yeah. (laughs) When I would ask these questions, I got answers like, man, they're bringing in pollen like crazy, you know, like all the trees and everything around here makes pollens. I don't know specifically what it's coming from. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I'm not going to recommend going on Facebook necessarily, but maybe you can find groups. I will find I'll find something somewhere. Um, Yeah, something I'll I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll reach out somewhere. I just don't. um, I want to be careful who I reach out to because I don't want, I don't want other people being like, Oh, you don't want to be uncovered. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be. Uh, um, so that was, that was kind of the answer. Oh, all these trees make pollen and they get it from everything. I, I don't know what specifically they're bringing in. I'm just glad to see they're bringing it in. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And so I was like, well, how other, how many different ways can I ask these questions? So then I was like, <laughs> what about specific types of varietal honey? Cause like if you're, cause he had mentioned Georgia and a few other things. I was like, if you're in South Carolina or you're in Florida, you could have sourwood honey or you could have Tupelo honey. So like, are there specific varietals that you can get around here? No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different trees and stuff that bloom, but pretty much it's all just wildflower. And I was like, man, you are not helping me at all. Trees. (laughs) I know specific, is there a specific tree that does really good at a certain time? I don't know. They all got flowers on them. I was like, man, I was like, I was so close because he was so fun to talk to. And I was like, I'm going to finally get answers. No, right. I didn't. He's not a botanist. That's He's not. Sure. He hasn't ventured into that aspect of beekeeping yet. No, he, he hasn't gotten that in depth in it. So I will have to continue my search to find answers for the Ozarks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> At least you got bees now. But I got bees. That's right. That's the main thing. I got bees. So we're, we're back in business. <laughs> it is right. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I think we will wrap it up there with our fishy stories for the day. So hopefully you all enjoyed and you got a chuckle out of it. And if you hadn't seen any of those articles, go check them out. It's very easy to find. Just type in bees or fish and, and you'll have plenty of resources to look through. Exactly. Uh, and then Natalie mentioned on here that uh, she's getting ready to jump over and do her chat with Mindful Beekeeper. Um, You won't be able to follow it right after this because it happens on Mondays and you're listening to this on Wednesday or after. But next Monday, you can tune in and you can catch, you can catch. Are you guys doing it still on Instagram or is it on Zoom now? We're doing it on Zoom and we're actually, uh, we started uh, broadcasting it live to our YouTube channel at the same time. So it's ah. we're going to post the recordings onto the website as well so that people can find past episodes and, and just kind of listen in. You know, we've got a few stored up that we need to post, but you can join live every Monday evening from 7.30 Central. 7.30 Central Standard Time. And that's, uh, what is your YouTube channel? Be Mindful. And then you can find the Zoom link on b-mindful.com on the front page at the bottom of it. Very good. And you can find the top bar plans that I sort of kind of halfway used on Be Mindful as well. 
dash uh, slash plans. Yep, slash plans. That's right. So go check all that stuff out. Plenty of things to think about, laugh about, and research on your week. And we hope that you have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. But until then, be good. Be mindful. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. I got bees.